Welcome to Back to Debbie. It's 7 a.m. Easter time. The only time zone that you can be stuck in West Virginia. We're a podcast brought to you by Campus to Kin. I'm Mike, and this is my co-host, Corey. We're cruising for a bruising by visiting programs to see some new faces in old places. But first, I want to give some shout-outs to some great people I met at the Expo. But I really want to start off by saying a special thank you to Bob Lung for putting on the Expo, playing this whole thing out. It's been great. It's a great networking event. And I just want to talk about some of the great people I met out there. I met Bandwagon Sports. They do a fantasy program for college where you pick college teams and they have wins. You got to select teams in each tier. That's a pretty good gateway drug into CFF. I'll tell you that. Then we met with uh, All 22 from PFF and they do fantasy football for all 11 positions, even linemen. So my idea of trenches to trenches is already taken by somebody else. So we missed out on that one. We also got the fantasy guide, got to meet those guys. They're actually an Instagram company that I followed like four or five years ago. And they're trying to expand more into the Twitter world. Dynasty pros, they're trying to get into like a Debbie trade calculator where they're putting out values. Now, I don't agree with the values because it's not my rankings, but it's still cool that someone's trying to do that. Wanted to give a special shout out to um, Spoiled Banana Society. They're doing an NFT fantasy league. Got to go look them up, find out more about that. Uh, there was a car breaking booth. I don't personally do rookie cards. I have a very addictive personality. So if I get started, I don't know if I'm going to be able to stop. Uh, met up the guys at Dynasty Nerds Love, meeting Jay Wack, Garrett, and uh, Rich. It was great meeting them. Got to meet Eric Froton. Got to meet CDC Carter. Uh, a lot of great dudes. NBC Edge. And just once again, thank you, Bob Lung. Yeah, I mean, like I'm hoping to eventually get out there myself one day. It kind of sounds like a once in a lifetime experience for the fantasy uh, fantasy community. I get to meet a lot of people. You know, it's a little bit harder for me being on, in Canada out here, um, but I'm eventually going to make this a priority to get out there and meet you guys. Hopefully, sometime here in the near future. Uh, but let's slide over to some news over here. Uh, first place I wanted to head over to was Texas, uh, where they held a scrimmage on Saturday. Um, apparently, to a lot of reports out there, Hudson Card is currently outplaying Quinn Ewers. Some reports have it closer than not, but it's clear that Card is making a push for this job right now. Ejection, hearsay? <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I don't know if it's as close as maybe Felix uh, would hope it is. Um, it's not something I'm overly concerned with at this point. Um, I haven't been as high on Ewers as everybody else, at least not in the first round. Um, you know, I'd be more comfortable in like the third, given the risk I kind of associate with him, guy who hasn't played a lot of football in like the past like two and a half years now, I want to say. So, um yeah, there, there's definitely some risk I associate with them there. Um, but keeping it with Texas, um, a lot of guys, uh, a guy a lot of people were excited about for uh, wide receiver Isaiah Neor from Wyoming um, was probably going to be the number two in this offense, probably have a career year. He tore his ACL. So that leaves an option open here for the number two in this offense. Um, I wasn't as high on Nair as a lot of people as a Debbie asset, he really kind of struck me as like a, a little bit of a slow footed possession type guy. Definitely some great hands. It's a shame. We kind of won't be able to see what he can do with the step up in competition. Now, uh, maybe we can finally see Jordan Whittington put it together. Um, Savion red is a freshman. We mentioned last week. Um, that's been getting some buzz over there. Maybe the corpse of uh, Troy Amiri can finally do something and Felix can have something to celebrate about, but uh, it's definitely a bit of a blow to this offense. That doesn't really have somebody that they're going to have step into that number two role. Heading over to Wake Forest now. This one's been talked about a lot. Just wanted to briefly touch on it. Uh, quarterback Sam Hartman is looking like he's going to be out for a while. Undisclosed timeline and uh, undisclosed reason as well. Sounds like it's a physical thing, so it sounds like he is going to be back at some point in the season. But for now, they're going to be going with Mitch Griffiths, who I honestly know nothing about. 
Um, but this is probably going to hurt the pass catchers in the long run, a guy like A.T. Perry or a guy like Donovan Green that you like. Um, but, I mean, hopefully Hartman gets back sooner than later, and uh, we'll just have to see what happens here. Uh, sticking with the quarterback news, heading over to LSU, uh, quarterback Miles Brennan is walking away from football. Um, I personally think that this essentially means Jaden Daniels is probably going to be the starter. Um, we talked about him a little bit on our bounce-back show, put on a little bit of weight. This is probably going to be his last shot to kind of – seize his opportunity but there are reports out there that Nussmeyer still isn't out of this at all um I thought he looked like the best one probably in the spring game which wasn't really saying much but uh we'll see where that battle heads right now but right now I'm putting my chips on Jaden Daniels um heading over to Miami a little bit of freshman news here a guy that a lot of us really like top five running back in the class for a lot of people Travion Citizen suffered a significant knee injury by the sounds of it um we probably weren't expecting much from him in year one anyways um, but if it is a season long thing, it's going to kind of be a shame that he's going to spend a majority of his freshman season rehabbing rather than working on his craft and kind of getting ahead in the playbook and, and coming on strong next year. So we'll see what happens there. So, but still, that's a little bit of a blow to our hopes there. Um, more running back injury news heading over to Ohio State. Um, Evan Pryor suffered a season ending knee injury. So the guy that, that I've always liked just kind of buried on a depth chart and a crazy talented depth chart of course with Travion there um looked like he was going to push for solid playing time this year had 106 yards and a touchdown in the spring game looked dynamic looked like maybe he was going to push mine for that for that number two spot but um his injury probably means that Dallin Hayden is probably going to get a little bit more run um another interesting freshman from this class I know Austin is pretty high on him so so yeah we'll see what happens there we're always trying to keep our eyes on the uh, on the OSU uh running back room um the news was a little bit light overall this week, but I did want to check with you. Did you ever check out Bruce Feldman's freak list from this uh, that, that came out last week? You know, I caught some snippets of it, but I didn't read the full thing myself, no. Yeah, so it's always a great read. It's it's something I like to check out. I mean, I, some of these times seem a little bit excessive. <laughs> I'm not sure if, if if there's any truth to them or whatever, but you'll see here right away. Some guys I just wanted to to point out. You're going to have your obvious guys like Devon Akane or Achain. Um, Anthony Richardson is there. Brock Bowers is there. Um, but at number two coming in right away was was uh, Ohio State wide receiver Mar- Marvin Harrison with a 23 miles per hour time and a sub four second shuttle. Yeah, I don't know how they're measuring these times because it just seems a little um, blown up. Uh, just for comparison reasons for everyone listening here, Traylon Burks last year was the fastest measured player on the field and he registered at 22.6 miles an hour. So are, is he running with a football? Is he running with no pads? Like, I. I don't know what the context is, but it, I find this a little hard to believe that he hit this miles an hour as a sophomore. But, you know, I'm really high on the guy, so I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. Yeah, and I mean, at 6'3", 205, if he's hitting anywhere, even if he's hitting 22 miles per hour, I think that we'd be pretty happy with that time regardless. A sub-four shuttle is even something that might be a little bit more exciting to me. Quick feet for a guy of that size is is pretty exciting. A guy who, who can move around well probably has a little bit of versatility to move around the lineup. So um, I like seeing that. I don't know if I believe it. I'm kind of with you as well. But still, I think it, it's a good and a good sign for him considering what we might have thought about him coming out as a prospect. Um Heading over to number 11 on the list, I thought this one was kind of interesting, is Old Dominion tight end Zach Koontz. Um, this guy was a former Penn State tight end. He's highly productive last year. They're claiming that he runs a 4.5740 at 6'8", 250 pounds. They also claim that he jumps a 40-inch vert. So, I mean, if this guy is actually going to test that way, he's going to, like, grab a bunch of eyeballs at the combine. 
Um, he's got the production to back it up. So he could be a sneaky riser in next year's tight end class. Uh, we've seen tight ends from these from these lower levels of competition kind of come out of nowhere, especially a guy who had the pedigree to go to Penn State to, to begin with. So that's kind of exciting. Um, at number 18, they had Wisconsin running back Braylon Allen. Um, I was hoping to see more of a mention of speed because this is kind of something that is all of our concern. Um, but the only mention really was a 1.49 10-yard split, which is a pretty freaky split at his size. So I, I was happy to see that. And then, of course, the talked about his lifting and everything else all its, all its accolades there we know he's a freak that way um quentin johnson came in at number 23 no surprise guy who's very athletic 4.4 at his size is great um a couple other running backs here that were kind of kind of surprised that they made the list was texas running back roshan johnson uh he also i believe just suffered an injury but i don't know if it was long term um, Tennessee running back Jalen Wright was a freshman last year. I was surprised to see him on the list. Apparently he's jumping like 42 inches in the vertical, which is crazy. Illinois running back Chase Brown made the list. Um, another guy that was really interesting last year was kind of a breakout for me. I would tell him do some, some, uh, interesting things last year. And that was uh, running back Micah Bernard out of Utah. Yeah. Micah Bernard here. I think he's still on my, my watch list I, on the fringes of it, but he's an Uber athlete. He's, such an athlete that last year during the bowl game, Utah versus OSU, they asked him to cover JSN. That's right. JSN's game where he put up 300 yards was against the running back. <laughs> okay, not just put a little small asterisk next to that game. Not saying that JSN's not a great talent, but Micah Bernard's a running back trying to cover what's going to be a future first-round talent. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I like it. I like the fact that we got a scrappy guy who can play both sides of the ball, is willing to just play wherever so he can make an impact. I mean, I was hoping for more from him. A lot of people are excited about Jalen Glover there, a freshman that's coming in as well. So I don't know if we'll ever see Micah Bernard really take over that. They've kind of specialized him in this pass catching role now. So I think the hopes for him to become something more than that might be fading, but uh, he is kind of a guy that I keep on the watch list as well. Um, and then just another tidbit here, another guy that we're all kind of excited to, to break out this year. Lorenzo Styles actually made the list at 70. So another athletic guy coming out. You like to see that he has that athleticism to back up the, the breakout that we're hoping for in the NFL transition. So, so yeah, it's always a great read to head over to Bruce Filman's, uh, to freak list. You can always find names there that maybe you didn't know and, and find some surprising times that maybe you didn't know. All right, let's jump into this segment. We like, we like to call new faces, old places. We wanted to take a look at some of the vacated production left behind by some of the rookies who made the jump to the NFL this year. A lot of these programs have historical trends of putting certain positions into the NFL with a high success rate. Places like Georgia, the references like RBU, you have Iowa, tight end U, Ohio State, wide receiver U. You know, these programs put in talent. And anyway, we got to highlight. <laughs> okay. I'm going to start over. Okay. All right. We wanted to take a look at some of the vacated production left behind by some of the rookies who made the jump to the NFL this year. A lot of these programs have a long historical trend of putting certain positions into the NFL with a high success rate. Places like Georgia, which is known as RBU, tight end U, and then you got Ohio State who puts in wide receivers. We want to take a look at some of these programs, some of these top rookies that were drafted, and just ask ourselves, who's going to be the next successor? And who is going to be the long-term play here? So let's start right at the top with Alabama wide receivers. This past year, we had Jameson Williams going the first, Mechie in the second. Ten wide receivers the past ten years. Seven of them were first-round draft picks. All of them but one were day one or day two draft picks. 
Now, a lot of these came from recent production here. So seven of them came from the last five years. Alabama has historically been looked at as one of those programs that were defensive powerhouses. They've taken a step forward as one of the most explosive offenses in football. Corey, who do you think is the next guy potentially going to the first round? Yeah, so this one's easy for me, especially being uh, a Georgia guy. Um, and that's going to be Jermaine Burton, the transfer that just came over there. You know, a high four-star guy buried in Georgia's run-heavy offense, you know, dealt with his own injuries as well. You know, really only flashed during a brief stint with JT Daniels. Um, but he just really seems like the complete package. You know, he's that six foot two hundred Jamar Chase build that everybody's loving nowadays. Verified 4.43, almost a 40-inch vert. So, I mean, he's got the athleticism. We just really haven't seen it Um but like seeing his stuff in, in short flashes, I really think that he has the, the skills to end up being a first round pick. Uh, the, the spring reports have been good. Uh, he's looking like he's going to be the wide receiver in this offense. And the wide receiver in one in this offense has averaged almost 1,600 yards and 12 touchdowns the past five years. So he can really put himself on the map with a big offensive explosion. I think he's going to have the skills to put himself in that first round conversation, especially after he uh, tests at the combine. And, and, you know, there's, there's two other guys here, I think are in contention, um, especially now with Earl out. And, and uh, we're looking at Brooks and Harold, uh, Ja'Cory Brooks and Tyler Harold from Louisville, the transfer, you know, and Brooks was a true freshman last year, really didn't get much time on the field, made a few really nice plays. Um, unfortunately spent the majority of the spring with a shoulder injury, which I think maybe might've made him lose some ground, but now without Earl, it's kind of like reinvigorated. So it kind of doesn't really matter there. Um, if you can't already tell kind of like how I'm talking, I'm definitely a little bit lower on Brooks than consensus. Um, you know, I, I just find him as more of a, of a possession guy. Uh, you know, someone who ran a four, seven as a recruit, um, not very exciting, not someone who flashes that much. Um, he's going to have to compete with Harold. Um, who's third year wide receiver from, from Louisville blazing fast, apparently runs like a 4.2 uh, predominantly played outside. So that was my worry for Brooks a little bit when he first came over that he was going to take that spot. But, but now without Earl, maybe they slide Harold into there. So it's generally like a, like a shaky room right now. Um, but there's definitely like some interesting plays down the line. Um, especially if you're looking at this class that they just brought in, um, they just brought in five top 100 recruits this past year, at wide receiver, um, Malik Benson, a top Juco recruit that we kind of spoke about last episode. They're always in the transfer portal, plucking away these high, uh, high talent wide receivers that get in there. So, so I want to ask you, you know, who you, who you're kind of feeling as your long-term play in this wide receiver room. Uh, Malik Benson, top Juco recruit coming in. I am in, I am hashtag in. I love the skill set. I think he's going to be that fuel stretching role. I'm not really in on Tyler Harrell that you mentioned there. Uh, he's, to me, he's just a straight line speedster, just a, a field stretcher to keep, you know, safeties over, honest over top. So I, I think he's more of a role player rather than a versatile asset. I do think that a lot of people might have said the same thing about Jamison Williams last year, though. So do you think anything there? Is there anything that's kind of interesting there? That is there a comparison that you're making there? Because I don't know if, if Jamison Williamson was really looked at that way coming in last year either. Jamison came in late. I feel like that was a lot of the debate was just like, oh, well, he came in with like two weeks of summer left or something ridiculous like that. So I've, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I don't think there's anything there. He's just a deep threat guy. It's just, all right. You know, all right. I got you. I got you. But talking about the freshman coming in, right. Uh, we got Isaiah Bond, Shaz Preston too. It's not like freshmen really get on the field for saving system here. Um, but Isaiah Bond's an athlete. He's a speedster, really raw. Um, but he's got the athletics for it. So they're looking for development there. And Shaz Preston, for me, it's a little bit of the opposite, where he's a little bit more of a refined player, uh, but doesn't have that high-end athleticism. So out of all the guys they brought in this year, I like those two the most. 
Yeah, they definitely brought in a lot of talent. I'm not even sure who I'm hitching my wagon to. I've kind of been avoiding them all kind of at cost right now just because I don't really know who to choose. They brought in a lot of talent, and they're all kind of like a similar archetype of player, which is speed, quick feet, you know, that that archetype that, that Alabama really likes right now. So I'm having a hard time choosing. I like how Malik Benson looks. I like Isaiah Bond's athleticism. I like the way he looks. Um, so I, I think I'm just kind of a wait and see, and I also think that I'm just kind of – like taking a step back here and just letting them show me who I should take. I know you kind of, you got to get in on people early and kind of make a call in order to get these guys. But in this situation, I think I'm fine. Just, just waiting and seeing who kind of breaks out. I don't really have a strong feeling here. If I'm going to take one, it's Isaiah Bond, a guy who I was really high on earlier in the off season uh, after watching some of his tape. But now I just don't know who's going to go there. I don't know who they're going to bring in. So it's a really confusing room, but it's obviously one that we have to keep an eye on because we see the historical trends there. We see the talent coming out of there and we see the, the talent in the NFL as well. I mean, we've got two wide receiver, one finishes on in on the fantasy side and six wide receiver, two finishes just from Alabama receivers in the past 10 years. So we've got the talent there. We've they're producing on the NFL level. So it's always important to make sure that we keep an eye on this. Um, I wanted to move over and, and, and talk about the first running back that came off the board in this, in this past draft last year. And that was, that was Brees Hall at Iowa state, a guy that I was very high on. He was my number one. I got absolutely mocked and ridiculed on Twitter for taking him over B. John Robinson in a Debbie draft, like last year or something like that. But that's just how high I was on this guy. So I loved it. Um, and you know, we can look at Iowa state and see if there's anything there. Um, in the past four years, they had, you know, Brees was just drafted in the second. Uh, Kanena Wongwu is drafted in the fourth as well. A very, uh, very athletic freak. Um, was recovering off an ACL with the Minnesota Vikings right now. I'm not sure if he's ever going to make any, any waves in the NFL. But then they also have Montgomery, David Montgomery, who was drafted in the third. Um, they really haven't had, before that, they hadn't had a running back drafted uh, since 1997. So this really hasn't been a hotbed for running back talent, but uh, you look at Monty and he, he's finished as an RB one in 2020. Um, he's finished as an RB two in, in 2019 and 2021. So there's a little bit of production here. It's a little bit of recent success. And now we've got Brees Hall coming in uh, right now as well. So a, a guy that we're looking at highly. So there's some recent success here. Maybe we should be keeping an eye on who else is going to come out of here. And Mike, I wanted to get your opinion on who they're talking about as the next guy up over there at Iowa state. Yeah, a lot of people are talking about Jarrell Brock, right? Um, I'm not in. I'm not in. <laughs> I think this is the most unspecial player I've had to watch on, on football. I really, I couldn't believe it. Like it's, you know, the coaches are saying he's the next guy up, next guy up, and I'm like, all right, let me let me turn on the tape, let me see what he looks like. I really think it's a lot of just coach speak, uh, just hyped because of the program. The production is non-existent. I think he has terrible vision. He has bad contact balance. If you take away like his two longest runs, his like stat line is like 30 for like 90 yards. I mean, that's it. It's he doesn't put up good numbers. He's not good in pass protection either. I just don't think he's going to keep this job by midseason. Yeah, he's a guy a lot of CFF guys are kind of excited about a little bit, too. Um has apparently looked decent in the spring, has the size. There was one point where people thought this guy was actually going to be, he was the higher ranked freshman in the class that came in with, with, um, with Brees Hall. So people thought he was actually going to be the guy, but then Brees Hall took that by like week four and never looked back. And Brock has just kind of been fading into, into uh, the abyss ever since. So uh, I'm kind of with you. I don't think he's super special. Uh, I actually wrote his profile for the Debbie guy. And I remember looking at him and kind of coming away underwhelmed. I remember the bowl game where he, he played for Brees Hall there. It was very underwhelming. What do you have like three points? six yards per carry or something like that it, it, it was not good um the bowl game though was against clemson or some some defensive powerhouse team i can't remember off the top of my head so i was kind of like that's the game i watched too but 
I'm not excited. Yeah, I mean, and there wasn't much to watch other than that. He hasn't really gotten a lot of run through through his years there anyway. So, I mean, it, it, he's kind of exciting. Not a guy that we're personally looking at as a Debbie asset. Um, a guy that has been having a little bit of buzz coming out of here, though, a guy that Austin's been driving the train for a little bit, is a guy named Cartavius Norton. Um, pretty unrecruited guy out of Georgia. I think he had some P5 interest, but uh, I believe Iowa State only ended up his only uh, Power 5 offer. Um, guy with great size, 5'11", 210, some usage as a pass catcher in high school. It's nice to see put up some pretty gaudy stats. Um, I think the main thing that drew everyone's attention was Phil Steele, a college football analyst. He does the the yearly college preview magazine. He listed Norton as RB1 in his predicted depth chart for the year. Um, now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything, but there's also been some buzz off out of the athletic about of it, him. Um, clearly, the coaches are sp- buzzing about him behind the scenes and it's making an impression on a lot of the beat writers. And if we only think Jarrell is okay, then there, it's a possibility that Norton could be the guy sooner than later. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that too. Let's talk about the first wide receiver draft off the board here. We're talking about Drake London. I almost said Drake Jackson, by the way. Drake London of USC. <laughs> Seven wide receivers draft in the past 10 years, similar to Alabama, but they averaged round two draft capital. Six of the seven were day two or better. Now, let me just go through the list of some of the talent that came through USC the last 10 years. You got Drake London, Amara St. Brown, Pittman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Nelson Aguilar, Robert Woods. Marquise Lee was in there too. But all those guys were fantasy relevant for at least one season with the exception of Marquise Lee. So not only do these guys put talent into the NFL, but these guys seem to really click at that level too. Like They seem to take their game to the next level. Now, if you're listening to me say Nelson Aguilar was fantasy relevant, he had he had one year there with the Eagles, <laughs> one year. You know, I mean, it's not the hit you wanted, but the hit you got. His hands so, were the problem, really, with that one. <laughs> Dude can't catch babies out of a burning yeah. building. <laughs> all right uh lincoln riley is coming over from ou right so we're not looking at the school we're looking at the program now they brought lincoln riley in to install his program so lincoln riley's historics here is that he put in cd lamb recently into the uh nfl and that's pretty high level talent uh marquise brown mark andrews sterling shepherd there also well, mark andrews tight end but we're still counting that mm-hmm. Mondre stevenson's a running back that's getting some some hype here too so Lincoln Riley does have a history of putting talent into the NFL. What are we looking at here as the next guys to step up? Yeah, so this one's an easy one. I'm sure a lot of people already know about this one, but Jordan Addison transferred over there, uh, former Blitnikoff winner from last year coming out of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, he's a little bit slender. I'm, I, I might not be as high on uh, on him as everyone else from a Devi aspect, but he definitely took a, a step forward from his freshman season, which was kind of where I was disappointed. I kind of found him a wild route runner. wasn't like super refined. His, his cuts weren't super sharp. You know, he kind of faded through his routes. I, I, I like to see that improvement that he had. Um, you know, and he transfers into Riley's high-powered offense. Um, you know, these these Pac-12 defenses, or the Pac-12 isn't really known for their defenses, so he's probably going to blow up this year. And he's probably have a, has a chance to be a potential first-round pick next year. Um, the other guy here is Mario Williams, uh, a little bit of a smaller guy at, at 5'8", 180, or, or something like that. Mostly used near the line of scrimmage last year. Was thought to maybe be the number one guy this year um, before Addison came. He had two touchdowns in the first quarter of the spring game, came over with Caleb Williams. Um, but you made a comment last week uh, about Mario Williams not really being a Debbie asset to you. Would you care to elaborate on that? Yeah, I will. I am a bit of a sizist, right? I really am. Historically, there's only been one wide receiver, sub 180 pounds, sub 5'10", that became like fantasy relevant in the last 10 years. And that's that's uh, Marquise. That's Hollywood Brown. That's Hollywood Brown. is the only one that's carrying that full up. Now, he's in here at 5'9", 185. I don't like short receivers. They tend to be role players to not 
versatile assets moved around the field to be weapons at all levels. They tend to be guys to be used as field stretchers and like, sure, they'll catch some deep balls here and there, but they're not guys I want to put in my fantasy lineup every single week. Now, he did have a pretty good freshman year, right? Uh, 33 for 347 and four. I'm going to wait and see, dude. I'm going to wait and see. I do crown one short king every year that I'm in on. It was Elijah Moore two years ago. This past year was Sky Moore. I mean, he's five nine and a half, so, you know, kind of 5'10", really. But anyway, I just – I'm a sizist because I think it limits their athletic ability and their, like, upside. It, it They don't have as many tools as guys like Traylon Burks or Drake London. Yeah, I don't know if I'm that worried. Anybody who kind of knows me knows that uh, I love Josh Downs out of UNC. So I can't be a sizeist and love Josh Downs. I just think he's a tremendous athlete. I do think that Downs is a little bit more twitchy and more athletic than I do than I see from Mario Williams. And a lot of people want to talk about how Mario Williams played a little bit more on the outside, which is something that 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 is noted, notable that Josh Downs is always playing in the, in the slot. But if I'm picking a short king, it's going to be Josh Downs right now. Mario Williams is definitely a little bit deeper for me as a Debbie asset. But uh, yeah. Um, Moving away from that, because we're getting a little uh, off topic here, but I want to bring it back to USC, and I want to look at some of the future prospects we're talking about here. Um, a future freshman that that or a freshman that just came in this past class, guy that I was pretty interested in, in CJ Williams, um, six to two hundred pounds, high four star guy. He was a borderline five star. I think it was like a ninety seven rating. Um, very technically sound for a bigger guy. Um, not somebody I felt was like overly explosive or fast, but somebody I thought showed a legit release package, um, deception through the stem of his routes. Uh, he was a red zone threat with great hands. Um, he even had shades that made me love like Amon Ra as a high school prospect, what I saw, which was like the refinement. Another guy who wasn't super explosive or anything, but just had that refinement you like to see. Um, I think a lot of people are worried that he's going to kind of get recruited over. You've got a guy like uh, Zachariah Branch, who's coming in next year, is a consensus number one overall receiver in the next class. Um, you know, he's a bit smaller than your typical, than their typical prototype. And he's like 5'10", 170 pounds, but he's got some really good track and field records, uh, super fast, a triple foot, uh, triple jump guy, um, guy that has gotten some Tyreek Hill comparisons. And then another guy who's coming in next year, you've got Mikai Lemon, who is technically an athlete and come in as a wide receiver, but apparently he's going to play wide receiver. Another borderline five star guy, a little more size on him. Um, expected to play a wide receiver here. So another guy with elite speed and versatility that you can add to the thing. And, and you had Mario Williams, who's still going to be in the picture. And it, it's tough to see how CJ Williams is going to break through here. Um, but he was a prospect that I did kind of like uh, coming out of this class. Yeah. So I'm about 40 wide receivers deep into my 2023 evaluations for recruits here. Makai Lemon is one of three players in my tier one. I love Makai Lemon. I think he's the future there. I'm not so big on CJ Williams myself. I just, I, I don't know why. I just, I feel like I remember reading not good news about him in the spring. Yeah, there's been, there's been like such a small lack of buzz for him. And that's also concerning, especially considering how open the room was before Addison got there and the fact that he couldn't really make his case. And he, he's an early enrollee. So the fact that there's been like no buzz out of there is definitely kind of, kind of, harmful like but he, he was a guy i was interested in, but he's been kind of dropping steadily for me so yeah he has good size too i think he believes i believe he's six foot two like 200 yes this, this depth chart lacks size uh i think probably really early in the all season i was hyping up jerry rice's son mm-hmm. Glenn rice because he's six foot three 200 he's a straight line burner he transferred in from colorado state he's not like he's not like he's not super talented right he's just big and fast and that's all he is uh, right now even my dog hates that take. So, <laughs> so Brendan Rice, they just they just lack size, right? So there, there's the opportunity for that type of role on that offense, and the fact that we're not hearing anything about who's taking over that role is a little bit alarming to me. 
Yeah, and actually, I looked into Caleb Williams this past year, and I kind of wanted to see how his target dispersal was. I kind of wanted to see who he, who he targeted at Oklahoma, and he actually preferred his bigger targets a lot of the time. I think it was like at a 60% rate or 70% rate, he was targeting Jadon Hasselwood a lot more and Mike Woods a lot more than Marvin Mims, who actually saw a decrease in production once Caleb Williams took over. So there is a lot of la- there's not a lot of size here, but it seems like Caleb Williams likes size, so there might be somebody to come out here. Maybe that's why I'm kind of sticking with CJ Williams a little bit still, but Either way, like there's not a clear cut guy here right now. You're looking at Addison right now. You're looking at maybe Mario and maybe the guys next year. So, so that's about it for USC. But I want to talk about two other wide receivers that came in from the first round this year in, in Ohio state's Garrett Wilson and uh, Chris Olave. I mean, they're coming in from wide receiver, you now Ohio state, which is what it's been known for a lot of recruitment capital going on over there. They've had 11 wide receivers drafted in the past 10 years. Eight of those 11 wide receivers ended up as day two picks or better. Um, Last year was the first, time in the past 10 years that they've had a first round wide receiver since Ted Ginn all the way in 2007. Um, you know, and, and they're another team who's had a new offensive direction over the past few years, like, like Bama high flying aerial attack. That's constantly at the top of the top of the league. Um, but they haven't had a ton of NFL success despite the draft success. You know, we're looking at names like if we avoid a law and Garrett that just went, we're looking at names like KJ Hill. We're looking at game names like Paris Campbell, who is just suffered from injuries. We're looking at names like, um, Curtis Samuel, Noah Brown, Braxton Miller, Devin Smith, Devi Posey. Um, like it, it's a bunch of guys that really didn't make uh impact at the NFL level. There was one guy that did who kind of ended up being an anomaly, and that was Terry McLaurin. Yeah, so Terry here is just one of the few that are just gonna be analytical, just outliers, right? We always talk about Tyree Kill this way. Terry McLaurin never had like a breakout age, he never had that pop year. He was around for like five years. I mean, he was a late, late declare. Like it's, it's amazing that he's become the talent that he is, and he's one of the few success stories coming out of the Senior Bowl. That's kind of where he got his name out there. Um, so the guys we're looking at here is going to be Jackson Smith and Njigba, also referenced as JSN. We're looking at sophomores Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka. Now Jackson Smith was already the wide receiver won last year. We, we think he's going to be a great talent. I think he's a lock for first round draft capital. I think he lacks a little in the athletic department, but I, I really do think he's a lock to have a Keenan Allen type career. I really do. But I want to talk more about Marvin Harrison Jr. Who was on this freak list that we mentioned earlier in Emeka Abuka. And I want to ask you, Corey, a question. It's really not on the show sheet. So let's see if I'm throwing him to the wolves here. Do you think that, the duo of Marvin Harrison and Emeka Abuka will be better than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Hmm, that's a tough question because it doesn't seem like Emeka is really locked down a starting role yet. They they keep talking about Fleming there and they keep saying he's playing outside. So it looks like Emeka and Fleming are fighting over time right now. I do think Emeka is probably going to overtake him eventually. Um, if you had changed this conversation to JSN and Marvin Harrison, I think CJ Stroud is coming into his own as a quarterback. We saw the development throughout the year where a lot of people were kind of having questions in the beginning, but he really excelled as the year went on. A lot of people have him as QB1 now. So we're talking about a very explosive off offense uh jason and marvin harrison are probably going to go off for like at least a thousand yards a piece i would imagine and i know it was a topic they were talking about in debbie debate the other day if they were asking could there be three 1000 wide receivers in this class and i don't really think that there can be just because i'm unsure of how the breakdown 
comes between Omeka and Julian, but uh, I'm not in on Julian anymore. I finally decided to cut the cord. I'm, I'm done on him. Um, even if he somehow makes a comeback this year, or whatever, I'm done. I'll let somebody else draft him. I personally think Omeka is probably going to take over halfway through the year if Julian continues to kind of struggle or whatever. So I'm pretty high on Omeka as number one wide receiver in the 2021 respect class high five-star athlete great build at the 61180 the kind of guy that nfl is loving nowadays and very similar to that garrett wilson or very similar to that that chris olave type player so um so yeah i don't think that they're going to reach those uh, i don't think that a mecca and harrison especially are going to reach those things but i do think this year specifically jason and marvin harrison are probably going to explode now i do believe that when the draft's all said and done that jason marvin harrison and Emeka Abuka are going to be the trio that's going to be talked about more than olave and garrett wilson and jason but i do want to mention one more name here we're going a little bit younger we're going past that sophomore class we're going to the freshman i want to talk about keon grace keon grace again just looks like the prototypical receiver they, they like to develop that garrett wilson that chris olave type and he's the top my top for that class as freshmen. So I think he's going to be someone that you can target and you're going to be very excited about your return on investment there. Uh, they also brought in two other guys. I'm just going to briefly mention here. I'm talking about Caleb Burton. He's six foot one sixty five. Word is that he's still not back from an injury from two years ago. Uh, he's, he's struggling putting on weight. I think his miles per hour time that we got was like 19.5 miles per hour for a guy that weighs 165 pounds. Yeah, that's like, that's not great. That's yeah, that's a that's a death sentence right there. Uh, and then Kojo uh, Antwi, I hope I said that right. I like Kojo's skill set. I don't think Kojo's skill set is what they develop at Ohio. And especially since they bring in such high end talent, I think he's going to be pushed out to transfer sooner rather than later. Similar to the Jameson Williams uh, type of story here where it's just he just couldn't get on the field. Right. It's not a knock because they're all going to be first round talents. It's just that I think Kojo's going to be there for a year. He's going to not see the path to playtime. He's going to be like, I'm going to go to another prominent power five program. But those are the free freshmen and Keon Graves is my flag plant for those three. Now we're going to talk about a guy that a lot of Debbie analysts had higher coming to the draft process. And we're talking about Texas A&M Isaiah Spiller. Now I'm not talking about myself because I had that guy down as number three. Just saying I wasn't in that group. But RB three is still pretty high. I mean, that, that's a that's a fairly good ranking for him. Okay, that's true. But like, as far as fantasy projection goes, we're we're really just hoping for one or two. You know, three is a luxury if you get like three fantasy relevant RBs in the class. Like that's yeah, cool. top three ranking. That's that's still pretty high. Don't don't sell yourself short. You love Isaiah Spiller. <laughs> <laughs> I was letting the echo chamber get to me. It wasn't yeah. thing, I swear. Yeah. Uh. So um, not a lot of recent success here for Texas A&M. Now there's a lot of allegations going around NIL and they're buying players and stuff. But, you know, it's looking like a pretty good program with Jimbo Fisher here. So let's just talk about the historicals here. Past 10 years, Tavian Williams was in the sixth round in 2019. Uh, Christian Michael was a second rounder in 2012. Now Tavian had a little bit of hype taking over the backup role for uh, the Bengals, but uh, that's that's obviously not true. Um, But let's talk about the mouse in the room, Devin Achain. Devin Achain is a smaller running back, right? He weighs 185. He's a track star. And now the question for me in my head is, is this a guy who plays football and just runs track on the side? Or is this a guy that runs track and plays football on the side? And now for me, I'm a really big size guy. So I'm not really into Devin Achain as an NFL talent. I think he'll find a role 
uh, he'll make a team. He'll get drafted, sure. But I don't think he's going to be one of those guys that we're going to talk about as a yearly top 24 option. Yeah, I almost hate to say it, but I almost feel like I'm flipping here a little bit uh, on him. Um, I don't know. I know me and Brandon are actually in the film room and look at him a little bit. Just to, just to get a cleaner view on him as a runner, what kind of power he runs with for his size, the speed, everything like that. So I really want to get a deeper look at him to, to see what exactly I'm thinking. But we're talking about a guy with, with legitimate Olympic speed. Um, guy who graded out very well in the underlying metrics, especially relative to his teammates. I mean, he graded out better than Isaiah Spiller and a lot of different stuff. Um, guy with a little bit of passing chops. Um, and he's gotten all the buzz in the world this spring. There's, there's not even anybody else they're talking about. I mean, uh, but like you said, it's his size, and that's that's the main worry. And, and you know, and the main thing I'd like to see is because we know he took track very seriously. It's well documented, and I think that's one of the main reasons he kept his weight down. But maybe, just maybe, with the NFL in his sights now and possibly his track and field career potentially in the rearview mirror. We'll see if he's, if he's really set on going to the NFL, maybe he'll allow himself to put on some weight. Cause I mean, we're talking about a guy who's five, nine. So even getting to that 200 205 range would be a huge plus, but put a huge emphasis on his BMI with that track speed. That's going to, you know, make all those eyes pop at the combine. I don't, I don't know. I could see him being drafted a lot higher than we think. NFL success is going to be another thing, but I do think that at the end of the day, he's ending up a, a day two pick. Yeah, I can't argue there. I think he's a day, a late day two pick. I really do. But, I mean, there's just a strong history of guys of not getting that 210 weight, like not getting there. I mean, he has to make up 25 pounds, which no one's saying he's going to do. But even like 15 pounds, I think that's just a really high expectation here. So he's going to go to the combine. He's going to kill all the speed stuff, I'm sure. I think he gets a draft capital. But I think he's going to be paired with uh, an early down thumper at the NFL level, you know, just some, it's going to be a committee role. And I'm not really too interested in investing high draft capital into a committee, like high rookie draft capital. Yeah. I do think this guy's probably going to be one of the most polarizing guys next year. It's going to be similar to like cook this year in a sense. I do think he's a better pure runner than cook was, which, and I'm cook a crazy draft capital. So I, I, if, if he does get that kind of draft capital, it's, he's going to be a very polarizing figure that we're having trouble with ranking just because of his size. Um, but I mean, looking at, at A&M in general, I know they haven't a lot of uh, success in the past, but they are having a lot more um, success in recruitment. They've gotten a couple guys in that are pretty interesting. Uh, LJ Johnson last year was a high four-star guy, great size, apparently ran a 4.41 as a recruit. Um, I'd be lying if I said it came through on the film. Uh, I didn't see it that much. I was higher on him last year, but I mean, we're talking about a guy again, kind of similar to CJ Williams, like we were talking about earlier that has absolutely no buzz this year. Um, a guy who's suffered through a couple injuries as well and just fails to keep making an impact. We were kind of hoping that with with uh, Devon's size that this guy might actually become like the thumper role, like like the Isaiah Spiller of this offense. But there's been little buzz. They're even talking about another guy there. I can't remember his name right now. Something Amari something who might end up as the number two guy right now. Um, and then they bring in Le'Veon Moss from this past cycle who's – whose name alone should inspire confidence. Cause I mean, we're talking about Le'Veon and Moss. <laughs> so, I mean, I love him just on the name alone, all-star name team, but uh, he's another high four-star recruit. A lot of interest in this cycle. Um, so I don't know if we should be looking here for anything in the future. I don't know if it was more of an anomaly to see Isaiah Spiller and now, and now a chain coming out. So do you have any thoughts on these guys or do you have a preferred option out of the two, if you were targeting any? No, you nailed it here. And if I had to pick one, it would be LJ Johnson, but I'm not, trying to put too many marbles in that basket here because he is always hurt. But freshmen just don't really hit the field early. It's just it's just how a lot of programs are. So I'm really just going to seniority here. But, 
Yeah, I'm not I'm not high on these guys. I'd rather invest my time somewhere else because I feel like it's a really high probability to get burned as far as Debbie assets go here. Um, another program that has some sneaky success at the wide receiver position is Penn State. Now, this past year, we see uh, John Dawson go on the first. That was a bit of a surprise for me, by the way, because I had him down as like an early second grade. Seeing him go in the middle of the first, that was just Yeah, shocking. the NFL seems to just love them some Penn State wide receivers. doesn't matter the production. doesn't matter whatever. They just... They've had five wide receivers drafted in the past 10 years. Um, these guys have averaged second round draft capital. All but one were day two or better. Dotson was actually the only first, which is a little bit surprising looking back on it. But they've had some high end NFL talent as well. Uh, we're talking about Allen Robinson. We're talking about Chris Godwin. I mean, just between those two alone, you've had four one uh, four wide receiver one finishes on the NFL side, one wide receiver two finish. Um, even you look at their, their recent draft success, you're looking at guys like uh, Jahan Dodson, of course, and you're looking at KJ Hamler. You're looking at Deshaun Hamilton, who has a fourth round pick. So they have this this type of archetype that archetype that they like. You know, the, the quick footed guys, the guys with a little more agility. You know, I know A Rob is kind of like maybe breaks the mold a little bit uh, compared to their their usual, but um, they certainly have a type there. And looking forward, they continue to have that similar archetype there with a guy by the name of Parker Washington. Um, you know, and there's been some concern that the typical tar- preferred target in this offense has been the outside guy, and Washington has typically been a slot guy. But I, but I think it was telling that once Dobson opted out of the bowl game, Parker really blew up and earned a bunch of targets. And like we say in this community, targets are earned, not given, right? And it really felt like he earned them that day, which is something that you love to see. Me and Brandon Lejeune over at the Debbie Dashboard did a film review on him. Urge you all to check it out. It's on his YouTube channel, Debbie to Dynasty. Um, and he has a lot of tools in his arsenal. I just think he kind of needs to like refine his craft a bit. He's, you know, he's got the footwork he's got the release packages um just a bunch of times he fails to get the defender to kind of like bite on his routes all the time he's trying he's trying i see the deception intent maybe it's the upper body working with the lower body whatever but um i see the skill set the potential there uh, i just want to see a step forward i want to see him getting those dbs to bite a little bit more on his out routes or his double moves or whatever um the other guy here that i've always kind of had a bit of a thing for is keandre lambert smith uh i mean have you ever looked at this guy's athletic profile I don't know if you have. I don't know if anybody else has. We're talking about a guy with a 40-inch vert. He ran a 4.5 flat, which isn't amazing, but it's it's good enough. And an insane, absolutely insane 3.83 shuttle. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen that number for any other recruits. So we're talking about a guy with, like, insanely fat, fast feet. Um, 6'1", 180 pounds. Flashes have been here and there. Um, not a guy that's ever taken a very commanding role. Um, he's actually the nephew of Cam Chancellor, former safety of the Legion of Boom. Um, I didn't actually know that until I looked into it a little bit earlier. But, um, you know, he's a guy I continue to have my eye on, um, just as a guy who could potentially make a difference. Uh, they also brought in another guy who you were very high on out of Western Kentucky, and he's been receiving some rave reviews this spring. Yeah, Mitchell Tinsley's my guy here. I love this story. Uh, went from JUCO to Western Kentucky and now to a prominent program that makes NFL talent Penn State. Uh, not really an analytical darling here, you know, talking about a fifth-year player. Uh, but, yeah, I do love his skill set. He has good size. I think you want to say he's like six foot one, like 210. You know, he's got that good size. But uh, Parker Washington is really who I, I was higher on in my rankings. I, I have him down as a top-seven guy here. I love the stock here build. It's really likes to play physical. The, you just mentioned the final game of the season there. Like, he has some one-handed grabs. Like, you love seeing that. Like, that's just – you love that. Yeah. His hands were the one thing when we, when me and Brandon Lejeune did that film review, his hands stood out so much. He's got actually incredible hands. Like the catches he was making, he did that snow game against, I think it was Michigan or whatever. And and it was all white and you could barely, and this guy's just making like one handed grabs and two handed. I mean, it it was good. So yeah, I agree with you there. No, I'm not in on KLS here uh, because I think Tinsley got brought in to take his job. Come on, man. (laughs) 
<laughs> my main concern here, though, as far as like Debbie goes, is what if Tinsley outproduces Parker Washington, right? There's just a history of uh, receivers that don't end up being the wire through one for their college team don't seem to have that ability at the NFL level here. So if if Tinsley does, like, let's say, become the wire through one this year and, and Parker Washington's like, you know, the 1B, you know, not really far behind, it still doesn't change the fact that they just don't have a high success rate at the NFL. So I, I do like Washington. I really do like Tinsley, but I would really like Parker Washington to be the one that takes over because I would feel higher about his ceiling at the NFL. Now, I want to talk about some new, new faces. So some guys that are younger coming up. I want to talk about Amari Evans here. I'm not a fan of the recruiting Penn State has really done lately. I just, I'm just not. Now, Amari Evans is like an all-star athlete. I, I believe his triple jump is like the same level as like Odell Beckham and Julio Jones, it's a really top-level athlete. He's ranked, I want to say, in the 70s for the freshman coming in, so not that high. He's a three-star. Um, he's put on eight pounds since coming in early in Roley. I believe he's six foot 179 right now. But this is a program that's done a very good job at developing route runners. You know, he's very athletic. He's a bit raw. He played a lot of quarterback in, in, sorry, in high school. So thoughts on Amari Evans here? Yeah, he's a guy that you kind of turned me on to recently. And I know I've heard Austin mention his name a couple of times. So I've kind of looked into him. Very nice athletic profile, like you said. Very typical of Penn State. They love their athletic freaks. And they have a crazy good strength and conditioning program that really gets the best out of these guys by the time they reach the draft. I mean, you look at like Saquon Barkley's numbers when he like first came in as a recruit. They were like, he ran like a four seven. His vertical jump was like through 32 inches. Like it was like ridiculous. The transformation once he was at Penn state to what he did at the combine, which was like whatever four three. And he jumped like whatever into it. Like, it doesn't matter, but that, that strength and conditioning program is, is like the stuff of legend. So I, I high end athlete coming in right now, like Amari Evans coming there. And I mean, I think we have to just mention Caden Saunders here is a guy who's, who's all over the place in the ranking in the freshman rankings a little bit. Some guys like him, some guys hate him. Some guys are right in between. I'm kind of right there as well. I'm kind of in between. He is in that mold of like your typical Penn State wide receiver with like the twitchy feet, the lean build, you know, excels after the catch. Uh, very close to being a five-star guy. 247 actually comped him to Tyler Lockett, which I thought was kind of interesting. I do kind of see that in him. Um, had offers from a lot of major programs. I mean, there's a chance that we are all collectively underselling him. Uh, given like the pedigree and the historical trend that Penn State has at developing wide receivers. Um, so he's somebody that I'm going to keep my eye on, um, especially given like the value you can get him at right now. All right, rolling on to the next program. We're talking about RBU, the Georgia Bulldogs, and for good reason. They've had seven RBs drafted the past 10 years. Four of them were day two or better. We have high-level fan success here. I'm talking about five RB1 finishes, six RB2 finishes. And I know your head is racing through. Todd Gurley, DeAndre Swift, Nick Chubb, Sony Michelle is a little bit of a disappointment as a Patriots fan, but you know he's in there. You got that first round draft capital, uh, and this past year we got James Cook going the second and Zamir White going the fourth. This is the second time in the past five years that they had two running backs drafted in the first four rounds of the same draft class. Now looking ahead into 2022, it seems likely that the replacements are going to be Kendall Milton and Kenny McIntosh. 
Yeah, and I mean, we talked about Kendy Milton or, or Kendy, Kendall Milton in our first episode two weeks ago. So I urge you to go back and check that out um, or go check out my Mid-Round Risers article on the Campus Kent website for a more in-depth look at him. Uh, we won't get into him into him too much here. You know, long story short, this guy was my RP2 as a recruit, still very high on him. Great size and burst, may not be a burner, really has that three-down skill set, though. You know, his story has really been injuries, never really had a chance to show what he can do. He's shown flashes and then he would get hurt. And uh, so what we essentially need to see is him to just be healthy and, and see what he can do this year. You know, our CFF lead, uh, Jared Palmgren, uh, over at Campus to Canton, he says his sources at, uh, at Georgia are telling him to expect a big workload for Milton, expect a big year. So I am still very in on Milton. I don't care about the injuries. I can write some context there. Um, but an interesting guy that's gotten a little bit of buzz this offseason is, is Kenny McIntosh. Now, I know he had a little bit of a, a run-up with the law, I think speeding or or driving drunk or something. So I don't know if anything's going to happen from that. Maybe an early season suspension. I'm not too sure. But this is a guy who has some good size, and he seemed to be really be getting groomed for, like, the James Cook role last year with his usage in the passing game. And, and you know, we, like you were saying, um, we've seen multiple draft. Uh, multiple backs get drafted from uh, Georgia in the same year, like White and Cook, Michelle and Chubb. And, you know, it's possible McIntosh could really be flying under the radar right now. Um, Noah Hills, a uh, fantastic running back analyst here at Campus of Canton, uh, had his Hero RB show where he spoke about McIntosh a few weeks ago. I strongly encourage you to check that out as well. Um, spoke very glowingly about him. So they have a really interesting room here. Um, they also have some interesting guys coming in from this class as well. Um um, so I wanted to kick it to you a little bit here and and get your feelings on this running back room in general going into 2022. Yeah, so I've been pretty out on Kendall Milton pretty much the whole year. I, I'm coming around a little bit on him, actually, though. I, I do believe obviously, it's RBU. I mean, it's Jordan. Come to the dark side. Join us. <laughs> yeah. But I, I am concerned about injury, the lack of production here. I didn't really like Zemir White as a talent coming back. I really didn't. So I'm a little hung up on why couldn't Milton beat him out. I really, I mean, I'm a little bit stuck on that. But once again, it's his time to shine. It's his seniority. And then Kenny McIntosh, too. Very limited touches, very efficient. And Noah Hills called out the Debbie community about Kenny McIntosh and how I'm, like, thinking, like, maybe he's right. Because I'm out on James Cook. I never liked James Cook as a runner. I thought maybe he could have converted to wide receiver personally. But Kenny McIntosh has, like, decent size. Like, I'm sure he'll get drafted, and he'll definitely be put into a pass catcher role. But I think once he gets to the NFL, some of these programs – not programs, but some of these teams, NFL teams, are going to ask themselves, like, hey, let's let's see what he can do as, like, the main running back, you know? So I think Kenny McIntosh has a safe floor as a pass catching back, which I'm not really a fan of. But I think he has the upside to actually take over a backfield at the future in the NFL level. So, yeah, call, call me in. Willing to admit that I was wrong here for a long time here. So Kendall Milton's like inside my top 10. McIntosh is probably inside my top 20 at the moment. But I imagine by the NFL draft, if he gets like if he gets like fourth round draft cap, I think I would definitely be bumping him up. Like I'll be interested. Um, I did want to briefly mention their guys that are coming in this year. Very high, highly touted uh, prospects and uh, two guys that a lot of people are very high on in Branson Robinson and Andrew Paul. Uh, Branson was very, very highly recruited. Uh, and I mean, maybe it's the frame or, or the ridiculous workouts or their high school photos, but it's hard not to jump to Nick Chubb when looking at Branson. I mean, their frames, they're, they look like grown men coming out of high school already. It's its absolutely ridiculous. I mean, this guy is my RB2 in the class still, and that's, that's almost starting to feel like a bull 
bowl claim with most people having him kind of three or lower, but it feels like there's a tier break there for people. Uh, uh, some people don't like him because of how big he is. Maybe they feel like he's a little bit stiff and I don't think he's quite as explosive or as fast as like a Nick Chubb, but this is a guy who did have a 4.49 40 reportedly. It's not verified. It's not anything. Um, I definitely don't think he's slow. Um, when watching the tape, this guy has subtle jukes. Uh, he does make some open field moves. He's not a straight line runner, um, but he strikes me as a guy who's probably going to end up more in like the four or five range. Um, but he is a guy that I really like. Um, this backfield usually runs in twos. And the other guy here was kind of a, a late riser in the cycle. Um, Campus Kent was very on him. He really didn't have many offers until about halfway through his senior season. And he just kind of like exploded onto the scene. And, and that was Andrew Paul. Um and the early reports coming out of the spring actually saying he's making more of an impact than Branson, uh, which is kind of surprising. But do you have any thoughts about Paul in the future of this backfield? Yeah, I am a little concerned. I, I did like Branson's tape here, but I, I, I'm agreeing with you here. I thought that he wasn't as explosive as he was on paper when I was watching him. And so I was kind of nervous about him just being big but clunky, stiff, like you said. But then I like asked myself, like, am I really going to fade, like, the RB three of the class that's going to Georgia. Like that's just insane. You know, it's ludicrous. Especially he already has a size, which I've talked enough about this episode. Like this guy has everything that I would want in a prospect, but Andrew Paul is someone that, I mean, he's coming on high. Like there, he's a good story too, where he was just a no name recruit, didn't really commit, uh, really rose up the rankings at the end here. I, so I, I think worst case scenario, we get one guy that goes to the draft his junior year and the other guy sticks around to take it over his senior year. But I think both these guys can be legit assets. Yeah, I think when you're looking at this backfield too, their archetypes have always kind of been like one, maybe a little more slender guy who's maybe like the more pass catcher and one early down grinder. Whereas Branson and Paul kind of look like they want to share the same role, right? So it's kind of hard to see how they're going to work in tandem. Will they run two bigger guys, more grinders, um, without a, a slender pass catcher in the, in the mix or whatever. So maybe there's a new guy that's going to come in. That's going to kind of take that role. And we're only going to get one of these guys to, to succeed. So I'm still putting my money on Branson. I'm, I'm, I'm fully confident there. Um, I still really like him. I think he's probably one of the best pure runners in this freshman class. Um, that's not saying as much anymore, given the value a lot of people place on pass catching and stuff now and being a little more dynamic and, and split out wide and stuff like that. But I do think he has some of the best instincts in this class. So I'm still riding with Branson. I think he's going to be the next possibly first round pick, but hopefully second round pick uh, coming out of Georgia. So that's going to wrap it up for us today. I know we didn't go in too deep, but we wanted to highlight a program's impact on a player development and list a few names for you guys to look at and target. Now, next week, we are going very deep, and we're going to be talking about impact freshmen. Make sure you guys check out the Campus Cam podcast feed. Monday, we got Chasing the Natty, a CFF pod. Tuesday, we got Campus Life. Wednesday, we got Debbie Debate. Thursday, I think it's Campus Life again, the official, the hero RB show that we referenced a few times here. And then Friday, you got your favorite show, Back to Debbie. Apologies to Eric Froton. We ran out of time. We'll have to get him rescheduled. This is Mike, and that's the Polar Bear Strangler. Good night and good luck.